Um, Yo, dude, dude. So my eye yes. is uh for all of the listeners who, did not, who didn't read the uh, who didn't read my my Substack epic that I wrote about this. Essentially, my cat had a cut on it, and I was feeling around trying to tell where uh, like how fucked up he was, and he was kind of screaming at me a little. He didn't like me playing around with his cut. I think it probably hurt. And I was just like, hey, just calm down, buddy. I need to figure out how bad this is. And uh, so he swatted me. And it was kind of like a lazy swat, it, like a like I'm trying to push you away. But he fucking caught me right in the eye. <laughs> and, and he like shredded my eyelid a little bit. And he shredded. Uh, and th- this is something that so I didn't realize at the time. He got a little bit more than my eyelid. He actually got my eye, too. Uh, and yeah, all of I bet the, he did. Because I, I sent you the I sent you the pictures, right? And it honestly, like, it doesn't look yeah, too it was, bad. It was pink. Yeah, yeah. It, it was the shit. Shit was very. Uh, but it, it didn't look too bad from the outside. But when you flip my eyelids inside out, then you see it, and you're like, oh, like he really fucking got in there. <laughs> like he really dug in. So like the, uh, I I currently have 22 stitches total in my upper and lower eyelid and eye. And they're all really, really small stitches, right? Like this, the surgeon girl, uh, pretty good, I would say. All of the, uh, you know, like eye surgery is a very, oh, nice. eye, eye surgery is a very, and like when I showed people at work, they were all like, Did, was, this, was this like robotically done? Because they were like, like the sutures are literally like the exposed portion is like somewhere between like a millimeter and two millimeters. Like it's so fucking small and they're all like perfectly parallel train tracks. And there's only there's only six of them that you can see on the outside. Uh, most of them are on the underside. That's for, of my of yeah, my. How many did you get? Twenty two. You got twenty two stitches. Right, Jesus. I had twenty two. So they're all they're all <laughs> and they were all done. Well, they were all except for two done with uh, like uh, Vicryl seven O sutures, which are very small. Like they're not. They're smaller than like your eyelashes and eyebrow hairs. They're probably like on par with your head hairs. And she did it with her hand. She did it by hand. Yeah, this was all by hand, and uh, so very, very, very yeah, it's really, really impressive work. Uh, I learned a bunch of stuff by asking questions about the surgery because this was another one of those things that I, uh, I have a running track record here of having never gone under general anesthesia, and I will do everything within my power to never have that happen. Like I, I am very, very convinced that general anesthesia functions by disconnecting your soul from your body, and I am also very convinced that this is why you see all of the really, really weird uh, complications from it. Right? Like you have, <laughs> you'll have like extreme changes in personality. Uh, you'll have like random body parts just like not coming back. There's and it's like, yeah, these these complications don't usually arise. They're very they're very like outlier things. But when complications do arise from anesthetics, it's really fucking weird shit. Uh, and I I would greatly prefer to never fuck with any of that. And uh, good to know, I'm avoiding that then. Yeah, I I would not make it a habit to go under. Uh, so when when I was scheduling all of this, I. Uh, I did it through my friends and some, you know, some, some doctor buddies that we know from some stuff. And, uh, so they hooked me up with a nice oculoplastic surgeon and got me in on the condition basically. Like, so this happened at night and, you know, it's typically hard to schedule like an on the, on the fly eye surgery for the next morning. Uh, and a lot of this is because anesthesiologists are not exactly like the world's most logistically, uh, 
beholden people and getting them in maybe mm-hmm. at six or five in the morning is just not something that's ever going to happen. So, uh, the girl was like, well, like, oh, interesting. we don't have, we, we just don't have like the logistical capacity to like, we don't have an OR that has anesthesia running, so we can't get him in. And my friends were like, yeah, he, don't, don't worry about that. He doesn't need the anesthesia. And she was like, are you sure? Like, you know, this is kind of, and they were like, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's done this before. Like, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, however, I went in and uh, what I, what I did count on was that there was going to be local anesthesia that was going on. Uh, and you, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, there's local anesthesia. It's like, yeah, it, it's not, a okay. huge issue. I can do that. However, you can't really yeah. do, you can't really do local anesthesia in your eye. Oh shit. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And so you can, you can theoretically do it in your eyelid, but the, okay. So your eyelid in order to stitch the thing back together, right? So imagine your eyelid gets ripped uh, in half. And there's two seams, right? So your eyelid yeah. is constantly in contact with your eye. Now imagine that your eyelid heals and it heals a little bit unevenly. Like one of the one of the parts of the of the tear is above the other part, and it forms a little bit of a crease yeah. or a seam. Every time you blink, like 20 times a oh, minute for the no. rest of your life, you feel this seam scratching <laughs> against your eye. Now the other thing is oh, not that, only not so only bad. do you feel the seam uh, scratching. But it fucks up the tear film of your eye, so it's gonna dry out one half, whichever half is closer down, and it's gonna push the tear film off to the other side. <laughs> so, like, there's and That's this so I, fucking and I, I learned this because I was asking my friends basically. Like, I, I saw the injury, I sent them the pictures, and I was like, guys, can I just like not go in for this? Like, I really don't want to have to deal with uh, you know, like driving and scheduling. So it's just like all of this is a pain in the ass. It it hurts, but it's not like it'll be fine, right? And they were like, Lucas, hold on. Let me explain to you what's going to happen if you let this thing heal naturally. And then they told me that. And I was like, motherfucker. Okay. So we actually do have to go in and get this yeah. thing fixed up. And uh, so I go in and, uh, oh, all right. So for fixing the eyelid, you can't really do a ton of uh, anesthesia because you, when you pump anesthesia into something, you pump the numbing agent in. Uh, in this case, she was using lidocaine mixed with uh, something that was longer acting, uh, but it has volume. So you're pumping your eyelid full of something that puffs it up, right? And that puffing it up makes it harder to understand, like what's going on, right? Like you're you're trying to you're trying to very precisely align these two parts, and it's not like a normal cut where you can kind of be a little bit off, and it doesn't really fucking matter that much. They have to be like micron level aligned. So making it more difficult by injecting a bunch of fluid in there in a place where you don't necessarily like, you know, like it's oh, not yeah, uniformly inflating yeah, everything. Swelling, yeah, swelling you're, you're then... basically introducing swelling into the whole equation that makes it a lot more difficult to, uh, to figure out oh, how to line this shit up. That. And so she was like, we can kind of do like a little bit in this one quadrant, but like the other three, we can't really. And uh, I, I'm just gonna say sorry uh in advance because like <laughs> sorry in yeah i mean she was like she was like it, it really hurts bad to get numbed even in your eye because like yeah your, your eyelids are really fucking sensitive and your eyes are even more so and uh it's going to be really uh 
really rough so you, you did you just like hard body it and just fucking yeah. just tank it well so you they, had to feel they, every they bit did, of it so they had a numbing gel that they put on my eye which was like a super but it's like you know how the numbing gels work like it's like two yeah they never do like, shit yeah like like mild uh relief and they did one shot into one of the quadrants of my lower eyelid which was like it helped i i definitely like when she was putting the suture through one side uh it would be like, oh, okay, that doesn't feel too... And then she would go into the side that had no... And I was like, oh, fuck. This, this, <laughs> yeah. this is a little bit fucking rough. Uh, and yeah, the, kind of so the, pain, the pain was at like not a great level. But the main thing that makes it uncomfortable is... like Think about what happens when something approaches your eye, right? You have like eight involuntary responses that all go off at once, like telling you to simultaneously like blink, your eyes start watering, you pull your head back, yeah. you turn your head away, you duck out of the way. Like all of this shit happens without you thinking. It's not something that you're sitting mm-hmm. here like consciously like I have to dodge this thing stabbing me in the eye. But it's like a very like lizard brain level reaction. And all of that same exact stuff still happens when you have a surgeon approaching you with like 18 metal surgical instruments. <laughs> oh my fucking god that just sounds like my worst nightmare you, you can't do anything about it because if you move and it's a, so they have like a suture going through your eye or some shit right so you like if you move it's like am i it's gonna like fucking like rip a chunk out of my eye like i have to hold very fucking still but you're like you're crying so much because it's trying to like get this shit out yeah, of there. Trying to get it out. Uh, and they're, so they're like constantly dabbing your eye with uh like a gauze thing which like you know just gauze on your eye is just an uncomfortable feel feeling on top of all of this other shit going on uh you're trying to like yeah. turn away you see the click and like you see like the little so in order to make sure that everything lined up they they were cutting off like the jack because like a cat scratch isn't the most uh you know like it's not like somebody took like a nice japanese cooking knife and sliced me and it yeah, made a really it made jagged. a really clean incision right like it was a very jagged wound so they have to clean up the wound by cutting off the parts that aren't going to oh heal together God. perfectly because again it needs to heal really yeah. really fucking perfectly and so you see this little <laughs> this little fucking scalpel like 1 millimeter away from your eye Oh, fuck. <laughs> they're like holding your uh they're holding your eyelids with these little baby plier things and uh this was the other really crazy thing was the amount of movement that was going on was really great compared to like when i saw the size i see these little baby like one millimeter sutures that she's done but like the amount of movement she was doing was big right so she was translating really? it into like very uh very precisely placed little little pokes and sticks and stuff like that which i thought was kind of cool uh that is pretty cool. you know, I, I think ophthalmologists generally are uh you know like it's a very cool profession and i have a lot of respect for that specific group of people for uh of various myriad of reasons but uh just watching what was going on and then not being able to like do anything or move away see or, uh, watching and so this all sucks all this sucks like i have a little bit of experience because i did i mean it's kind of like I, I, th- I got oral surgery without like while i was like uh, awake like instead of taking anesthesia and so and i have a very similar uh revulsion but to a slightly lesser extent when like people approach your mouth with like drills and fucking scalpels and stuff yeah not not fun feeling people poke around in there but doing the same thing to my eye sounds like hell on earth it sounds like an order of magnitude worse which is impressive that you were able to sit through that. I don't think that, I mean, I feel like the pain hurts, but I feel like the pain is not even the, 
that doesn't right no i can, it, I can, it was, I can stomach the pain just fine the pain well the pain it. honestly was really like that was 100 percent the most painful thing that i have ever uh the most painful surgery that i've done at least that was really fucking unpleasant your your eyelids are yeah, extremely extremely sensitive <laughs> i cannot stress <laughs> how like your lips are fairly sensitive but your eyelids are like three times more sensitive it's very and the the surface of your eye specifically is like turbo ungodly sensitive uh yeah I and this was also so the way that uh the way because <laughs> like most of the time people are out for this so the way that they hold and i didn't have like there wasn't a, a ton of damage to my actual eye so what they had to do there wasn't like super critical to the extent where like they, they basically if it was worse they would have said like no you actually have to go out for this because uh yeah like you can't have your eye being pulled Move around, around and looking in different ways while you're having it being operated on uh yeah this is just sutras so i guess it's like not it's not the hardest thing for them to do and it wasn't it wasn't even, like i didn't it just sucks i didn't puncture the sclera so the sclera is like the white of the eye i didn't make it all the way in it was just like uh like a, a superficial laceration which is good also because your eye doesn't heal really if you i don't, I don't yeah, know if no, you, that's what I, was, I don't know if no you know i this, didn't know but, that part yeah so like when people when people get like a surgery for like a retinal detachment or cataracts or something like that and they make an incision to go into your eye that incision never heals the surface of the incision does so there's there's like the the very like one or two cell layer thick uh surface on either side where it heals and it makes like a film covering it but the actual you get the jelly the, the, depth the jelly of the is... tissue not the jelly the uh so like think of the white as like the uh the jelly can be like the egg white and the the shell of your eye the white of your eye is like uh the shell oh okay so wait so it only the the actual shell stays cracked and there's just a film over it yeah and it's the same thing. Like the this is the same thing with LASIK, right. by the way. So when they cut up a, a flap of your cornea, so that they can take the laser and uh, destroy the corneal tissue underneath to remodel your lens, uh, that lens does not fully heal again. Like this is another one of those things that would be easier for me to draw. The the very if you think about that, like one point where the very surface of uh, the cornea reconnects again, the very surface of it does heal. But like the the part, I guess the easiest way to think about this would be like if you think about cutting your cutting your leg open straight down to the bone, and then you stitch it back together. And if only the skin heals back together, but the muscle underneath doesn't. The muscle underneath is always going to be separated. And if you ever cut through that skin again, the muscle will just open again because it's never healed back together. That's how the eye is. Oof, that sounds hard. Yeah. Yeah, I never knew that about LASIK. That makes that's kind of that's black. Ophthalmologists I tend like, to not get LASIK. If you want to go and you want to ask, you want to survey a bunch of ophthalmologists, they are not a huge, uh, huge group of LASIK uh, purchasers here. And interesting. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. No told you so, that. Well, the uh, the rationale behind it. Whenever I've asked like large groups of them, the the general response that I get from these people is like, uh. Well, it's a two-minute surgery that you can charge people 5K for. So it's like, it's, oh, it's yeah, pushed it. because it's like, the, it. and it's extremely easy. <laughs> it requires like two surgical instruments. It's, it's overall like- The one easiest of, money you'll ever make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then it's like the incidence of complications are like somewhere between like half and 1%, which sounds relatively good. 
but like the complications are usually like you lose your eye. <laughs> so oh, it's like, and, right. And then there's also the thing of, uh, it doesn't last. <laughs> like you don't, you, you, can get, you can get LASIK and like nobody gets LASIK when they're 20 and then they still have perfect vision when they're 70. Right. Like they get LASIK when Wait, they're 20 seriously? and then by like 40, they need some sort of additional sight aid. Yeah. Because, and there's a lot of oh, reasons shit. for this. There's a lot of reasons for this. One is like people, people like advising to get LASIK once your eyes have air quote, uh, like frozen up and they've, they've migrated to the extent which your genetics would allow them to, uh, in practice though, stuff, okay. stuff continues to walk even after, like, it's like everything in life, right? It's not a hard cutoff at some point it's going to like the rate of, uh, your, your eyes elongation is going to slow if you're nearsighted, but it's never going to completely stop. And there's going to be little events like maybe you're going to change your sleeping position because you got a CPAP, or maybe you're gonna you're gonna you can grow really like big uh, quadriceps muscles, and it's going to make it fucking hard for you to like sleep on your stomach like you always did. Some little thing is going to cause you to shift the way that you sleep, and this is going to cause the eight hours of pressure that you put on your eye a day to come from like a slightly different vector, and that's going to slightly change mm. the shape of your eye, something like that, uh, or the other. The other one is your eyelid is constantly in contact with the lens of your eye, like your cornea, and it's constantly applying applying pressure, right? So if you remodel the the cornea and you change the shape of it, the way that they remodel it typically results in there being two sort of uh, or, or being like a sort of a ridge of uh, tissue that is pushed out. And eyelids are very smooth okay. and they apply tension, they, they apply pressure smoothly and they don't like outcrops in your eye. So they, they push back on those more oh, than so they would other more, parts, right? So it, and your yeah. eyelids gradually remodel your cornea. This is part of the reason why people who wear their contacts while they sleep, while they sleep all the time, or people who, who would do this with like plastic contacts, especially wound up with like weird uh like even if they didn't get like a bacterial inf infection in their eye you can literally like remodel your cornea by putting uh you're, you're putting volume in between the lens of your eye and your eyelid so it's like you're, you're clamping something there with a very it's yeah, a very light force powerful. obviously like it's not like we have like millions of pounds of pressure being exerted by your eyelid but there is pressure there and your cornea isn't like the world's most resistant tissue so it'll change shape. Mm. Interesting. Oh, all this is like nightmare fuel. Dude, eyes are I mean, fucking... I have, I have some... <laughs> eyes are so scary, dude. Like when, uh, when, when I was talking with that Aubrey de Grey guy on that uh, on, on Breaking mm -hmm. the Rules... And I'll break the rules. Well, not with love. With not with Jules anymore, but yeah, break with, the rules. Yeah, Check with, it out. Yes, good podcast. Uh and he he was basically <laughs> in favor of extending your life uh through you know like preventing you from dying essentially was the main goal and uh my you know like i'm a i'm a big quality of life guy so i was like well what about like uh you know your teeth are going to wear down at some point right like it's accepted that you you experience about 1 millimeter per decade of uh dental wear as like a norm obviously there's going to be people who have more or less than that but that's just like the baseline of average. So at some point, like, let's say you live 200 years, uh, you're out of teeth now. What do you do? And like dental implants, you can get dental implants, but like your jawbone literally erodes, right? Are you, are you aware of what goes on there? Yeah. See, this is the part they always forget. 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, I am because I have like, uh, I like grind my teeth, but not when I'm sleeping, funny enough. Apparently, it's from when I'm awake because I used huh. to do the night guard and it would always fall out, which means I sleep with my mouth open. So that means all my teeth wear from grinding is from me just like clenching my jaw while I'm awake. That's which wild. Is, like kind of funny. Yeah, no, I mean, I have crazy lines yeah, across just, a ton of my teeth from grinding too. This was part of the reason why I had the phrenectomy was because I assumed that that was causing me. Like, is it, well, I don't grind. Sleep. I, um, I like tent, I clench my jaw is what it is. I'm not like grinding. I'm just clenching my jaw. And I guess that over time is essentially the same thing. Yeah. Oof. But yeah, anyway, fucking, yeah, no, that's, that's quality of life. I mean, like, I always feel like that's the thing with like the transhumanist types is like, I mean, I guess their their thing is like, oh, anything that can be fixed will eventually be fixed anyway. But or like, you know, there's like really fantastical things about like. Well, there's always like it, it was a very hand waving attitude. Synthetic cell, but it's like it was basically like, oh well. Yeah, but I, it was like implants are good enough, and it's like, well, I mean, but not for me personally because like you can get an implant and it still functions as a tooth, but again, like you literally experience uh, like jawbone decay. Like, <laughs> like you, you lose, they don't, they don't have a, you lose job they, don't like, they don't really care for what. Yeah, no. And this is, this is where, yeah. this is where it always comes down to, right? Is people who have never in their life experienced a state of like extreme health, uh, don't really value it. So they're like, yeah, it's, it's fine. If yeah. I'm like sort of broken, like I'm Falling at least, apart, at least I'm alive. alive. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was like, well, like, like, but like, he he got a little mad no. too. He uh, like he didn't he didn't uh, like lash out or anything. But you could tell he was very annoyed, and he was like, "I don't understand why this is always what people ask about when you talk about long, long, longevity. Is why are they always asking about these other like quality of life things? Like why wouldn't you want to just not? Like die? how do you not like, ask I think, about that? Yeah, and I, that was and I was like, well, I think the people are asking about this all the time because. That's uh like it's like a really important question, right? Like that's something class. that most people care about. <laughs> is what's the point of living yeah, two hundred like, years if every part of my body is replaced with something that is functionally inferior, right? Like if if I'm two hundred years old and all of yeah. my teeth are right, because it's not. And there's always like second order effects like, that like, get dismissed, right? Like you know, I'm sure you've seen the uh, studies on what happens to your brain volume and your your brain interaction and interconnectedness when you've removed all of your teeth, right? Like it fucks yeah, it up, yeah. Right? No, like, I haven't seen the studies, but I'm sure it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, like the, you experience legitimate like loss of gray matter volume when you do not have your teeth anymore. And that's that's a very easy, obvious, uh, observable thing. There's doubtlessly like other things that you can't see. And I mean, I think the holy grail of the teeth shit is going to be like at some point we have to grow it back, right? Like we have to, we just have to learn to grow it back. We yeah. can't, we can't keep trying to replace it with like I mean, aggressively better ceramics and stuff like tissue. that. Uh, and it has to be like a stem cell is, thing because you can't yeah. like your teeth need like a ten year gestation period. <laughs> It's a really, it's a really complicated process yeah. to just like outright replace them. And it's the same thing with eyes too, right? Like you have, you have a lens in your eye that gets pulled around by your ocular muscles so that you can focus on things close or far away, right? And as you age, this lens oxidizes. Uh, seed oil people will tell you that the rate of oxidation or even the oxidation period uh, is exclusively because of seed oils. And if you don't do this, then it won't happen. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. Uh, but it is something that happens. And when this lens stiffens up, about that. you lose your ability to focus on things anymore, right? So what 
what people have done is uh, they've created a synthetic lens that you can put into your eye. Now, obviously, the trade-off then is you have to enter your eye, which, as I just told you, once you enter your eye, there's a permanent hole in your eye. Yeah. And it's maybe maybe it does heal up enough that your eye isn't like constantly leaking. But if you experience an eye impact or something like that, uh, you're you're at a much oh, fucking right, 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 like a car right. accident. Here's, here's the thing: you're at a much higher rate, uh, risk of injury for that than if you had if fucking popped like a fucking gusher and the same this same thing is true of lasik in a different way so you know that flap that they cut up to get to the corneal tissue underneath that flap if you have an eye injury can be knocked loose so you can you can be like in a bar fight and, and you'll have like a flap of your corneal skin that will like flip over Oh my god! I know. Why I know. Would they, I cannot believe they just ignore this part. Like, like, how could you not tell people this? <laughs> this is so bad. <laughs> oh well, I'm never getting LASIK. I'm glad that my eyes are good. This is the I'm problem. The one this thing is I'm the, really this is the problem that I, I keep running into like, with basically every surgery. Is like with every elective surgery is like they suck. Is right. Right. Yeah. And it's like, everything is like a, like when you get into the position with surgery where it's like, okay, you either get this surgery and do this or you die, then your calculus gets a lot easier. Uh, but when it's like, okay, do you want to do this? Because it like might make you look sexier and you won't have to wear glasses and like, think about how convenient it's going to be. And it's like, okay, by the way, there's a 1% chance that <laughs> you'll never see again. <laughs> You have no eyes anymore. Yeah, yeah, and there's a perpetually increased risk of having like an eye flap that pops up, and all of this other stuff. Uh, you know, like people would maybe make a difference. You know, it's like all right, there's a one. There's like a one in a hundred chance that you lose your eye, but also I've done I've done ninety nine surgeries today, so <laughs> ninety nine two minute surgeries today. So <laughs> take a fuck. yeah, take a number. <laughs> And it, it, this is one of those oh, things where, sucks, like, uh, you know, like the rate of complication, obviously, uh, it's not if you go to a very good doctor, the rate of complication is effectively going to be zero. And if you go to a very bad doctor, the rate of complication is going to be like 10 percent. Right. Like it's it's very much so an average. Yeah. You can have. Uh, and this is why this is why the American like this is what Delicious Tacos was saying a little bit, too, about like just pay for the extra medical insurance, because like there's effectively no point in having the middle tier of health insurance. You have to have the best health. Yeah, insurance, sure. Right. Like if I if I couldn't like if I didn't have the connections to go find a specifically like very good oculoplastic surgeon who could see me the next day and deal with this very specific thing, what I would have had to do would be go to the ER. Well, not like what I would have had. To, like I. What what the oh. av- what the average person with yeah, either no insurance or shitty insurance would have had to do would be go to the ER and they would be dicked around for about three days during which their injury would be healing and scarring over, uh, so the edges would be like curling in on themselves and oh, stuff. Fuck. And uh, this this doesn't really like. Basically, what this means is that when they inevitably go to the shitty surgeon who their insurance is going to pay for, that uh. He's he's going to put like one stitch in this shit. Uh he's not going to clean up the wound, so it's going to have that scar tissue that's going into it and that the the scar tissue is going to be rounded over so the edges aren't going to meet up cleanly and there's going to be a seam in this and there there's going to be like a notch in both of the eyelids and there's going to be like one suture in either of the eyelids just because that was uh that was the fastest and cheapest thing to do, right? And that's going to suck because that's going to be functionally like a very like one one minor step above just letting it heal naturally. 
Except now you've like been dicked yeah. around for three days. This is why and, most doctors kind of. Yeah. And that's just like, most there, there's just nothing else that's going to that be expected to happen do. because when you have a surgeon, like these surgeons who are paid out for like the general medical insurance, they just do whatever is the fastest. And the fastest is never, it never involves cleaning up the wound, right? And when I say cleaning up, I don't mean like sanitizing. I mean like making things fit back no, together. Like, up, like aesthetically. Picture perfect. They just don't care about that shit. They care about getting it back in a functional sense that is going to prevent them from being hit with a liability suit. Yeah, that's so fucking, that's so, oh, that's, oh, good thing I'm, Hopefully, never gonna have this happen. Yeah, dude. Not like, protect your fucking eyes. I would have fucked with this. Protect your eyes, real good. And this yeah. shit is very. You gotta protect the eyes. I will protect say. the eyes. Protect your eye and your ears. Because I now, ears I now have a bunch of tiny was, little sutures in my eyes, and every time I blink, I feel sutures suturing across my, across my eye, and it's very like my eye is like demonic. How long do you red. have to have them in? They're all they're all absorbable. How long do you have to have them in? Micril seven O is uh. I want oh, to. I, cool. I want to say they. I want to say they that's dissolve cool. on their own in five to six weeks. I might be wrong on the dissolve time. I haven't. I haven't looked at my sutures recently. No, that's not. I mean, I was gonna. I was gonna assume six weeks, but yeah, I'm out of practice. When I had sutures, they were six weeks, but. Well, there's a bunch of different formulations. That's crazy. That's, that's a. You know, like there's there's some that they'll have. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 The sutures are basically That's invisible, wild. though. Like, I, I literally have to look with a map. I guess I had, no, I had, no. I, yeah, no, now that I think about it, I guess I, I think I had a dissolvable ones in my mouth. Because uh, I don't remember, I don't think I went to go get them removed at any point. Yeah. They like dissolvable ones Maybe. for oral surgery. I don't remember. Yeah. I also learned that there's a uh, there's a band of cartilage. Your eyelids are really fucking complex, actually. Like the the reason that all of this had to be like so. And well, this is what they, they always used to do in the apologetics. What in the apologists uh, debates? I used to in college. I used to go to like a. I was like the uh, resident uh, uh, fucking fedora atheist. I would come in and uh, debate with the apologist group because uh, I was like philosophically read well. Right, I grew up Christian, so like, they were like, all right, he can like do this correctly. And uh, they always, it always come back to the eye, like uh, the eye is proof of creationism, which is, I mean, fine, whatever. But it's like, that was like the, cause it's like effectively like one of the most complex things. So they were like, that's always like the, the, the prime example that was used. Huh. It seems, it and seems. And everyone becomes like an eye scholar. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems really uh, valid. Like, I don't think I could, like, if you gave me nothing, no format, no template, and then said, uh, you have to design a mechanism by which an organism can see. I don't think I would come up with anything nearly as good as the eye. I think I would come up with something uh, really retarded that couldn't focus. <laughs> I, I don't think I would ever think about the biological lens. Like, that's not something that I, I would ever. But anyway, they, uh, so the eyelids are extremely complex in that they have a bunch of different glands to do. You know, like, at a, the, the big one is they have the duct to drain your tears out on the inside like yeah. on the side that's like if you flip your eyelid over you can see there's a little hole uh at the top on either yeah i've always bottom. wondered about that yeah and uh, i i think it's called the punctum and uh again I, I'm, I'm very out of practice on all the medical terms here uh but they have uh a, a little sack running along the top where that so like my my ducks got ripped and shit right so like to re 
you, you're not just reconnecting like the the halves of the eyelid that like touch you you're also reconnecting all of the weird ducting and they have other uh like they have what are they there's there's something on the inner surface of your eye i'm totally spacing on it but they secrete various things that your eye needs uh and there, there's like it's the turkey the, the turkey racer yeah yeah, there's thousands of these little little glands and nodes and stuff that are connected. And uh, there's also a band of cartilage in all of your eyelids called the tarsus. Uh, it's it's bigger and taller in your upper eyelids and in your lower eyelids. But it's effectively something that uh, gives your eyelids the form. Like if you think about if you think about any other part of your body, like if if your eyelids didn't have some sort of uh, like a backbone giving them shape, they would kind of be floppy, right? Like they, they wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't stick to your eye. So the way that they form fit to your eye is because they have this cartilage that ties up kind of in up by where your temple is at. Uh, not quite as far no. back, but it's, it's closer to the corner of your eye than your temple. But uh, it's this. Yeah, so is that the thing you can flex when you're like, when you're like flexing, you're doing the rock thing. Is it that feeling? Uh, I don't it think kind of flexes so. when you, well, I don't, I don't so know. I, I don't know what I, the rock thing is. If I pull is. the sides of my. No, if you like pull the edges of your eyebrows up, like you can kind of feel tension in the eye, the corner of your eyelid. Hmm. Well, maybe that's just me. Anyway, maybe I, I don't know that that could be that could be muscles too. I I just I don't I don't know. Muscles, I, like all of this was stuff that I have figured out in the last two days. I have very little pre-existing eyelid knowledge. It was mostly eye-based stuff. But uh, so there's this there's this cartilage band which mine got slashed all fuck. And, you know, cartilage doesn't heal, right? So they, they're going to put the sutures in there. And this is what they use the bigger sutures for. Uh, they used Vicryl 6.0 for these. And uh, it, it will form like a layer of scar tissue over the two layers of cartilage as long as you get it lined up as, uh, as fine. There's, I'm also spacing on what the medical term is, but there's effectively a metal, medical term for a coincident alignment of tissues mm-hmm. where uh, and th- they'll scar over and it will be functionally as if it was still connected even though it's not connected anymore which is very sad to me right like i'm very uh yeah you have a you have like separated I, like i, I have su- yeah right i have such autism over like any part of my body that is like unhealable being like permanently damaged i'm literally going to be sitting there when i'm like 42 years old i'm gonna like have a nightmare one day i'm gonna like wake up ah oh. My eyelids are detached. Like fuck, <laughs> ah, <laughs> it's it's over. Uh, but this the, this band, the tarsus. So you know when old people sometimes they have their eyelids droop away from their eye. Yes, this is because the tarsus becomes detached from the point in your skull where it ties in. Uh, it it basically oh. like it it's a it's a nice like strap up at your eyelid, but as it goes back, it gets finer and finer and finer. And it can either like stretch out oh, so or, it snaps. It can, or it can become, yeah, it, it can kind of get pulled out of uh, the little place where it sits in. And so your eyelid loses its ability to hug your eye and you can fix it. Wait a second. But... So does my eyelid droop, I guess, because I was sleeping on my face? Like, am I stretching the cartilage until it like, I, I don't like one of my think eyes cartilage is more than stretchy, the other. So I wouldn't. No, no, like the, the band thing, like, cause like one of my eyelids droops more than the other, right? So is it because I was sleeping on my face and I like kind of like pulled it until it, could it like, be. got like it got like fucking loose? It could also Damn, it could also just be that one of them naturally them. inserts at a lower point. Like maybe nothing changed, right? Oh. Maybe maybe it never changed over time, and maybe you just naturally have because you know like people have like functional asymmetries like that all the time. It could just be that maybe your eyelid 
inserts at a slightly lower place. Damn it. I got, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look smash. I know you just told me about no elective surgery, but this is, this is get, get this one's un, unacceptable. Look up, look up. Uh, switch do you know the, what, <laughs> do you know what the Bimax surgery is? That's a, no. that's a portman you of like, I want to say like it's a bilateral maxillary surgery, bilateral mass. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, effectively it's double jaw surgery. Uh, that's the one that like, you know, if I were to get one, uh, one facial, one, one incel looks maxing surgery, Bimax would definitely do it. You have a big jaw. Right. But I need the double max. Surgery. No, 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 no. So here's the thing though. Basically all of my facial defects come down to, uh, mandible alignment. And it's like, it's not like a huge issue. That's like turbo nerfing me, but like most people have, uh, most people have their defects spread out over a bunch of different things. So like in order to, in order to fix the average person's defect, maybe you need to do like a genioplasty and you need to give them like a jaw implant, like all of this, uh, like a nose job, shit like that. Basically all of mine can be fixed with this one surgery, but it is the single most invasive, horrifying surgery of all time because you go in and you have to break both your upper and lower jaws and then reset them and then hope that neither of them ever moves again Oof. okay that's, that's but, it, but like if you see uh, and you're if if you see people who get it uh you know because jaw surgery isn't like a like most that's of like the, the, the k-pop people do yeah, I mean most of the most of the things most it. of the things that women do like superficially as like elective surgeries kind of make them look like retarded a lot of the time because they're not uh they're not like approaching the looks maxing from like a high level understanding of like facial congruence. They're mostly just saying like, "Oh, Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. has like fat ass lips. I want fat ass lips." And so they pump their shit up. Mm-hmm. Uh but like the the incel looks max guys really really uh they really fucking dig into this shit. And so if you look at like most of the people who, or, or it's just like people who have function, like people who have a really fucked up, like overbite or underbite or something, wind up getting the jaw surgeries to fix that. Oh yeah. I'm looking at pictures right now. It actually does do a good job. Right. And (laughs) this is a drastic improvement. And it's it's never, it's never something (laughs) that you like, you look at this and you're like, oh, they clearly have surgery. It's like, everything looks very natural and they look really fucking good. This is like, actually, I cannot, I don't see a single instance here that looks like bad no it's like yeah i see why you got it and also it's, it's literally like a 100 percent improvement rate it, it makes your face look correct maybe it doesn't ever make them look like god tier but like it's always better no, but it like fixes their yeah yeah, yeah like it, it like fixes them look the big like a normal person interesting no yeah the bimax damn now i really want one I mean, it, it depends. It, it depends that, on. I I remember your maxilla being pretty like well developed and having that not be a, not being a huge issue. Okay, good. Thanks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you. You'd have to send me some side profile pictures, you, yeah. and uh, we you know we can test out your uh, maxilla. But it's my, I have a beard. Stuff. Oh no, I didn't have a beard when you saw me. Correct. I was like the one time I had it shaved because I fucked up my shaving and I had to shave the whole thing off. <laughs> <laughs> so oh okay, wait a second. So you do have a good understanding. All right, I'm trusting your judgment on the maxilla. I don't know how much I don't know how much uh, like looks autisming I did. I, I was I, I was on like very, I was a, on you, very you, heavy behavioral observation mode that whole time we were down there. I wasn't really looking at uh looking specifically for people's face. I trust your intuition. I don't I don't think you need a deep a deep dive to 
to I feel like you have the good like one glance intuition <laughs> on the matter. Well, it's it's also you know? a thing of like uh black people very typically don't need jaw surgeries of any type. They usually have like very wide, well-developed smiles and very uh advanced maxillas. Uh I don't know That's true, yeah. I don't know why. Like there's there's eight billion theories on why. You could go straight back to the uh the Mike Mew theory of oh they just chew more shit or something like that, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't really make sense in the context of America because like yeah, it's you know true. yeah like it it's the same guy essentially yeah, uh, but uh, interesting uh, yeah I don't know I, I'm I'm thinking about Mike Mew now what a funny guy Ray yeah, Pete Ray Pete dying is a little weird. Yo, because now it, I feel no, now, I, I, now when I fucking shit on Ray Pete, I feel like an asshole. Now right? you're a fucking dickhead. Right? Yeah, so you're like fucking shitting on his grave. I man. can't fucking like say anything bad about Ray Pete now because he died, and it made me like a fucking incel hater. If I ever disagree, yeah, with man. Him. The last episode we put, I think the last time we talked, you were shitting on. I Ray, think Ray yeah, Pete. I think literally like the last thing that I ever said about Ray Pete before he died was me like uh coming at him dude just like t- full on full yeah, on hater mode and again i i need to say like i he's a very smart guy i think he understands more about hormones and endocrinology than basically everyone else but just like my fundamental uh my fundamental approach from uh, approach of like diet overall is like more top down than his or maybe bottom up. I forget which yeah. is I forget which I forget bottom which up. is top down or bottom up. But he he really likes theory selling everything out and then acting based on the theory that he's constructed. And I like I think he's bottom up. Okay. And I like just trying things and seeing pragmatically what no, no, winds up working because I don't understand and I don't think realistically that in my lifetime anyone is ever gonna have a good enough understanding of endocrinology to say uh, I'm going to do X because I have such a good understanding of Y and the processes lying behind it that uh, I know it's going to work. Like it is at best. No, actually, yeah, you got it right. He's more top down and you're more bottom up. But yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. You have a pragmatism. You have an experimental philosophy and he's more of like a rational type of situation. He's trying to like. I think engineering versus uh, hard science thing. might be a way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, it's a pragmatic engineering uh, approach to it. I like that. I, I, like, I, obviously, I, I obviously somebody has to way. do, like, the hard understanding of it, right? Like, somebody has to try and put together the big picture of how all of the hormones are working together. Uh, it's just, to me, like, a tedious technical thing that, like, I can't be fucked with, and it's much easier to say, like, how do I feel when I eat X in combination with Y than it is to say, like, Oh, I think like <laughs> all of these things are interacting in like these ways, and this is going to have this effect on. Because you know, like no, no hormone change ever does one thing, right? Like you don't you don't take progesterone mm. and one other thing is impacted, right? Like every hormone is interconnected to every other hormone through like a very weird web of signalers. So you do you you touch any one of these things, and it has like broad spectrum effects across basically every biological system ever. And like you might notice some of them and you might not is the spooky thing. And this is also true of all medicines also, but hormone yeah. hormones are especially like poorly understood. And they're also uh, like extreme, like even among like the same ethnic populations, you have like an extreme variance in hormonal response. 
the steroid community figured this out really early on with like uh you can give you can give the same group of slavs the same fucking uh like steroid stack and have like totally different shit happen yeah see that's the thing that um this is why the 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 online bodybuilders are the wellspring of information it's because of the it's because of the uh, experimental uh you know source of their knowledge yeah and this they're is why they're the, the front line they're the only true cyberpunks out here like everyone wants to be a fucking transhumanist talk about living forever meanwhile they, what are they doing they're just fucking right, yeah they're like in injecting room, fucking uh, like a little capsule with like an rfid tag into their wrist or some like gay pussy shit like that yeah. they're like oh like fucking, i got so i got my credit card implanted into my hand or something like, <laughs> it's like i'm a trans <laughs> like, oh, you're a fucking <laughs> pussy dude there are guys there are guys out here who have been injecting fucking 30 grams of bathtub testosterone for the last 80 years just because they have a theory that it might do something to like make them uh make them like grow their skull wider. Like <laughs> you can't yeah. fucking well, you're, hold you're a you're candle to these dude. people. The true fucking transhumanist, the true cutting edge of biohacking has been the bodybuilders all along and, and you're fucking, beyond you're the bodybuilders you're just the people who are willing to fuck with themselves right the people who are willing to use themselves as like lab rats and this is why like uh i i think i have a little bit of an outlier position for our sphere in terms of like uh allowing all of this weird gene splicing metal medical editing stuff like i basically think that we need to let the lab rat people follow their hearts and do the lab ratting and yeah like a lot of them are going to be permanently yeah. fucked up for it uh but like i don't think that holding back medical progress through like 87 trial phases is good at all and i i think it's actually completely retarded because like there are it, it, it's not like a zero something right like people always say oh well like we didn't test this medicine enough and as a result like it went to market and it was slightly uh less safe than we thought and people died and it's like okay like maybe yeah that that sounds because, that sounds really good right you say oh we didn't do our due diligence and people died but the alternative is that you have some weird ass rare condition that has literally no treatment and other than this one that's going through a trial phase and people are so desperate to try and alleviate it or treat themselves that as a result they will eat a bunch of weird bathtub chemicals and die in the process because they know that this other thing is very scary and they want to escape it anyway right like there's there's always a second yeah. side of the coin, and I think yeah, Amer you get people, America I mean, you, takes a little trilogy, bit, like, yeah, yeah. You get, 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 let the people who are like I have no other options try the experimental shit because then it's like best case scenario they they come out the other side, you know? Yeah, I'm pro that. I think people should be able to experiment. Though I am a little bit scarred from being like a teenager and going on. Do you, do you remember the BME Pain Olympics? Were you around for that? Yeah. So BME Pain Olympics was like, I don't know if this is a meme or not. I mean, like, it's real because the videos are like, it's like those shock videos, right? Yeah. The classic one being the, like, there was like a compilation basically of like people who were doing body modification and they were just like, and then like the meme was like, like the whole point of the Pain Olympics was to show, send a video of you doing like some treacherous shit to yourself. And uh, so there's like a, they're like BME Pain Olympics, like fucking um, compilations of people like, flat, like, filleting their dicks and yeah i was gonna say there were a lot of guys who cut their dicks off like this was the uh this was the original yeah. like if we want to talk about transhumanism uh this was the original trans <laughs> yeah. transgenderism it's where it started yeah like those videos like every single scene in those videos are, are like 
uh, stuck in my head forever. Um, like people like cutting their fingers off and doing shit like that. Um, but I will say there's one thing that is like even peak and it's in it. I read it on the website and I found out there's a website that this all came from. And there are these two twins and one of them, and like they're like twins. So they're relatively um, compatible. I mean, they're essentially like perfect compatibility for like surgeries. And one twin would like remove body parts. And then the other twin would take the body parts from the twin and put it on himself. So he had like an extra arm growing out of his back. And like, we, it was just like, and they like, they, like his, one of his fingers was like a combination of his twin's finger. So he had like two fingers uh, attached to each other. It's like extra long. And I was just like, and like the image of these two twins is like never leaving my skull. Imagine, anyway, the imagine point is having somebody say, with like 100% perfect genetic alignment with you. And this is how you use that. Like this, this is <laughs> like you fucking, you just fucking it. like cut their body <laughs> parts off and like attach their <laughs> arm to your back. Like what a fucking, retard. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're retarded for sure. But then it's like, these, this is the cutting edge of, of biohacking, I guess. I mean, they're retarded, but yeah, no, I, it's I, a, I all progress starts somewhere, at the I same guess. time. Yeah. Like, I mean, they are, <laughs> they are total retards, but like, I would never discourage them from doing this. Like, this is how. And then also, this is the how surgeon, the, the sadistic forward, right? surgeon. Like, and this is what, like, most this is how they can move forward. Most diseases now aren't cured by like, or like most really weird, rare outlier diseases aren't cured by like doctors because there's no funding in it. They're cured by like random, uh, random computer scientists or engineers who have like a girlfriend or like a best friend who contract the condition, and they're like, "Fuck, I should try and save my friend as like a side project," <laughs> and then they figure it out. Yeah, and then they figure out some weird shit. Yeah, this is all to say that let the hackers be hackers. Yeah, let the biohackers try some shit on I, themselves. You I'm gotta becoming, fucking inject yourself. This is all. Uh, this is all fitting in with our gradual uh, approach towards like total absurdist free market libertarianism as we get older, where we're just like opposing all forms of regulation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems. Yeah. Oh, damn! I'm, I'm really. Oh, I can't believe we're a fucking ancaps. This is the ancap. We've, yeah, we've we've literally we just become like ridiculous, the... like cowboy ancaps now. <laughs> it's, it's all about three printing and letting Sam Bankman fucking run away with your money. Yeah, and it's and not even about months. like. Uh, it's not even about like. Oh, uh, I'm I'm a libertarian because I think like the the best society in the world is an unregulated one. Like I 100% think the most uh the most ideal society is one in which you have basically like a benevolent dictator who uh is like extremely smart and genuinely like likes the people, right? Like I think this winds up with the best for everything, but the problem is like in order to have a system like this functioning, you have to give this benevolent dictator all of this power that then he's eventually going to die and pass on to some like retarded offspring who's going to like either be extremely nepotistic yeah. or just like grossly incompetent in a way that uh fucks you all up. So like the only the only system that I think that is capable of existing long term is one where you basically just like uh, obfuscate the government's ability to do anything because <laughs> whatever it steps in, <laughs> it will, it will either be so inefficient that because like, I mean, imagine like the idea right now of saying, Oh, Hey, w wouldn't you want like the American government to like, uh, regulate like atrazine or a bunch of other like endocrine disruptors they are dumping into like the on, onto our food and into the water supply. And it's like, I, I would in theory, but like the problem is like, we have to have somebody who's in charge of that regulation. And at some point, uh, at some point, if let's say he's good and he's smart now, at some point he gets replaced with either like a corrupt person or a retard. There's no other option, right? And there's a lot more yeah, corrupt basically. retards 
than there are good, benevolent, smart people. So like, okay, maybe he bans atrazine. Maybe the new guy comes in in 20 years though. And he says, oh, there's been new research done by uh, the atrazine producers organization of America that says actually atrazine is not only uh, safe for you, but it's like a beneficial part of the food pyramid and Americans should be consuming <laughs> six grams daily. <laughs> So we're we're putting it in your fucking bread now. <laughs> like there is there's just like such ungodly potential for total monstrous disaster. That's so bad. <laughs> but it's like totally like I mean this is the seed oil thing, right? Like this the seed oil, seed oil, seed oil yeah. literally was like an ag by like it was an ag waste byproduct, and they were like, "Fuck, we've got to get rid of all these fucking uh, all these fucking like seed shell husks and stuff." What if what if we uh, like found some way to like make money off of it? So they like hexane extracted, and they were like, "Oh, what if we like told people this was like heart healthy, bro? <laughs> like, how how can we sell this? How can we sell our garbage back to the consumer base of America?" Same thing with most of the supplement industry, right? Like magnesium oxide, mining byproduct. Most of this shit is literally just like, okay, we have we we are a production company that makes X product. In the process, we produce X or Y, Z, A, B, C waste products. It's a pain in the ass for us to get rid of these. It's the same thing with fluoride too. Fuck. Floor like all all of these yeah, like, big say, weird shits that get dumped in. It, it's all literally like industrial waste products that they didn't want to have to pay to uh dispose of yeah so they just found a way to market it back to you unfortunately them's the breaks actually yeah we just have a fucking we're just being fed literal fucking garbage and and poison yeah dude look at the ingredients in in like dog food or cat food sometime i I was going to the store and i looked at like what store-bought cat food has inside of it it's it's literally like a 50 item list of uh like industrial runoff it was it was oh my god it was so Uh, disgusting yeah reading when you start reading fucking back the ingredients of food it just gets really depressing uh every once in a while you run into like every once in a while you go to like a like a a bodega if you're in like new york city and you're reading like the 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 aisles, and then you find this thing that looks like it's a piece of shit product, and it's like ingredients, like and it's like one thing, and you're like, I cannot believe this is the this is the only <laughs> real thing in this fucking store. How is this piece of shit product actually real? Gotta love it. <laughs> you're like, I cannot. And you gotta love it, yeah. Uh, I, that's what I was living off of in during the pandemic when I was stuck in my apartment. Essentially, my bodega is like the only thing I can go to, and I was like, I cannot. I found like the only like. Because they didn't really have meat. I, I found like I was eating frozen burgers, but it's like the only burgers that were literally just one product is like beef. And I was like, I, I cannot believe this. You, like, you know, shit. you know what like, shockingly is like the greatest, the greatest consumer chain of all time for having like consistently well tested. Uh, like not only is it like good organic stuff with like a low ingredient count, but it'll have like actually good ingredients in that. Like, you know how, like, all of, uh, all cacao powder, I want to say, it has some heavy metal in it, and I'm, I'm spacing which one it is. Maybe, like, cadmium or something, but, uh, cacao mm-hmm. powder all has, not all, mostly has some sort of contaminant that would prevent you from wanting to use it in large quantities as, like, a, uh, a magnesium supplement. Uh, but, like, one of the mm-hmm. only ones that doesn't is from 
the Kirkland brand Costco's. And this is the case for a lot of things. Really? Like, like if you're trying to get real olive oil, some of the only real independently Kirkland tested brand? to be legitimate olive oil is Kirkland brand shit. Like Costco is actually just like a straight up like good company. It's insane when you say it. Because it seems like it's like the cheap piece of shit company. But exactly, it's like yeah. sometimes it's just how it is. Like they're just a good one. They're the good guys. And I mean, they do pay I their mean, employees you, well. You know, like when, you, when you're walking like through a Costco and you look for any any uh, item of food they have, right? It's really weird because you notice that Costco uniquely has like an organic option for everything. Yeah, true. And you're like, what the? This yeah, is like a bowl. Literally anything. Even Imagine other. going to Walmart and fifty percent of their shit is organic. You would be so confused. This is why you need a club membership. You need whatever, whatever the hundred twenty dollars. I love that video. Like, it's no fucking good. I have the dude. No, I have the, no, I like, I have the Costco I credit card too, and I ago. get like three or four percent cash back on everything I buy from Costco. Wait, really? Yeah, the Costco, the Shit, Costco I'm about to, I'm about to credit card is actually, bear market. Dude, the Costco bar- <laughs> credit card has four percent cash back on gas. Oh, that's sick! Right. We're about to have a glow up. This is about to be the best bear record ever. We're all, we're all getting that Costco fucking. What? Oh my god! What if we get Costco fucking? Um, our podcast needs to be Costco sponsored. Kirkland, so Kirkland sponsored. Yeah, that actually would like. <laughs> it would never happen in a million years because it would be the uh, absolute worst optics from a corporate perspective. But I would one hundred percent be fine, and I would promote the shit out of Kirkland products. Uh, they, they're, they're, so right now we have, just good. so if you're listening, Kirkland, if you're listening also not Berkey, but one of the, one of the other water, yeah, literally filters, any water filter, comes except Berkey. <laughs> and it's funny Berkey. because I think Berkey is like Fuck the only guys. one that would ever approach us. Oh yeah. No. Cause every time I tell people about what, like, I like, Oh, water filters, I was like, Berkey, like, nah, we don't fuck with Berkey. <laughs> fuck Berkey yeah. Like that's the one, like whenever, whenever I Berkey. go into my tinfoil hat, water, water filter rant, everyone brings up Berkey as like the number one. Uh, and it, it's literally like the apple of water filters, except at least Apple makes a good product. It's so, yeah. They're cringe. Hmm. Well, this, I need. It might have to be the end though, because I'm starving now. You're starving. We got some good. To, we yeah, got some we good, did. Uh, we got. We got. Dude, eating. I think. I think uh, just the two of us. We generally tend to produce some pretty good podcasts here. It seems like. No, we can. We're. I mean, we're. We got the the duo down. We're. We can run the show solo dolo for every single time. Um, we got to bring. The only reason guests are important, other than the fact that sometimes it's fun to switch it up, bring the audience like in. The cross pollination of audiences. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, we could we could just do a show every like every time and it'd be fine in reality. Getting BAP on sometime yeah, would be really fun. I don't know how feasible that would be. I, I don't know. Do I don't it. know how much. I don't know how much he, publicly uh, how how publicly associated BAP wants to be with me. I always get, and I've said this before, but I, I get the sense that BAP uh, sees me as sort of like a weird, squirrely freak who he's like kind of unnerved by, and uh, he no, never. That's true. You, you have his, you have that relationship with him. Yeah. And, uh, and also, he did. But he did. He does right. owe me though, because he he owes me for coming on my my other podcast. He told me a million times for a whole year he was coming on. And he never did. So it might it might balance out. That could be yeah. Because like, the, the pandemic hit. In fairness, I'm not. It's the, you know there's a fucking 
whatever. But, I guess the so. problem is that most of the stuff that I would want to talk to Bap about is stuff that he probably wouldn't want to talk about on a live stream. Like I mostly have, uh, you know, like uh, sort of behind the scenes personal questions about his approach to like community building and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of stuff I want to ask him about. And also, like, he got on a, little, like a nice history rant or something. It'd be fun. He's, he's like, very interesting. That's, see, I like, I like the meta of BAP. That's, that's the part that I'm most interested in. But I have no ability. Like, my brain can't understand history. So whenever he starts talking about this stuff... Well, I don't know shit about people, history. Most people like him for. Yeah. Or, uh, like, politics, really. Like, my brain can't engage with it as much. Yeah, I mean, like, I... Don't know shit about history personally. Well, I know some stuff about. I know American history the best because I just because I took like AP US history and like I like really like that class. But in general, like I just kind of like that he says some shit that I can like download that I've never heard before without having to go out of my way to find it. Yeah, and there's also usually like uh, some fun insights, you know, like the Beatles story, or with the the Beatle that understands that there's another bug that it's uh it eats its offspring and the beetle just attacks this bug on site regardless of whether or not it's already had the experience of seeing the other bug eat its offspring it just genetically knows eat this other fucker if you ever see it and this oh, this being like a uh an indication of there being some sort of a you know like genetic blood memory genetic memory to, yeah mm. there definitely is a genetic blood memory i mean like why are we all afraid of snakes like inherently i think one of the uh like one of the craziest things that modern science ever managed to spin up was like 99.87 percent of dna is just junk code (laughs) like uh yeah right i don't know man it's stupid that's that's a really fucking (laughs) really big 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 swallow there It's like when they do the fucking um the dark matter thing. It's like, yeah, this dark energy is like seventy percent of all the stuff out there, but oh, we don't. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not real. Dark they were like, well, <laughs> like, you fucking idiots. They're like, well, we we uh when we were balancing the equations, we realized that uh there needed to be something else over here because this side was too heavy. So, dark matter. <laughs> dark matter is seventy percent of the, there's dark matter and there's dark energy, and this is seventy percent of everything. But like. It doesn't really, we don't really know what it is or how it affects anything, but it doesn't matter. But it we balances still know what the equation in our physics. We know uh, everything about physics cancel out now. Yeah, shut the fuck up, you bozo. <laughs> or, like, or like the idea <laughs> of, uh, you know, like, oh, it, oh, this was the most retarded one to me was human beings within two to three generations will evolve past the need for a pinky toe. Like, do you fucking know how evolution? Like, we, yeah. you know, we're gonna the, the pinky toe is going to fall off. Like, fuck you, dude. This is so dumb. That's never happened, <laughs> bro. Scientists be saying the stupidest shit. Honestly. Like, imagine, like, like oh we're, yeah, we're straight like, face too. Imagine, like, explaining the concept of like a vestigial limb to like a pop side writer and having him just like shit himself. Like, some something that everybody learned in like second grade. The other funny thing is, um, is it the spleen? Oh, the, this is where I was going to go. Appendix. The One of them, there's like, the you don't need this. Like, you, you don't you fucking can, need you it. You can just take them out and nothing bad happens because they don't do anything. It's both of them, though. And then you can't digest raw meat anymore, right? Like, is, or is it raw? Is like uh, green uh, leaves. Which are we one, still recording, by the way? Fuck from the appendix. I think we still are, yeah. Nice. Epic. But yeah, no. Um, the, uh, so... Uh, 
what I thought that the meme, meme the meme understanding from like the trad right wing uh like holistic Twitter was that the appendix holds various bacterial strains that are used to repopulate the body uh if if something oh, okay. happens to them and that the spleen is some like all of Eastern medicine thinks that the spleen is like the source of like key purification or something. Uh, it, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Q I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Chi, chi, chi. Okay. It's the source of all or key chi. Or chi. It just yeah, it, it's very, it's very functionally important in the flow of chi throughout the body essentially is what they believe. And I mean, it's a, it's a relatively substantially sized organ and the idea that the body would just, uh, dump a bunch of resources and have it for no fucking reason. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I think, I think, uh, to be fair, like, I think Western medicine does attribute some function to the, uh, spleen. Like, I think it's understood to be like something some, about blood cells. I feel yeah. Like. It, it's, it's basically like some form of like lymphatic filter or something like that. Uh, yeah. But they basically think that it can be removed w- sort of willy nilly if it ever swells. Like, well, if it bursts, you die. Yeah. So just take it out. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of surgeries, I think, that are performed where like, once they go in, they just remove the spleen. <laughs> like they're just like we oh, do. Oh, really? Yeah. Just like on on a whim? Well, yeah. Yeah, just like, yeah, like we took it out because it's uh, you know, like it's we're already in here and it saves you in case it ever swells up. Like no one fucking asked you to do that. Yeah, no, they I, honestly. Do, I mean, listen, I respect like good doctors, and they're you know when they when they're around and you need them, you're like, goddamn, I'm glad that was a good doctor. But a lot of fucking doctors are just just they really kind of overestimate a lot of what they like have the the model for. Like, I don't know. We were fucking cutting off legs because of gangrene. Like, yeah. Uh, like not that long ago. Yeah. No, like the top, like, the top like 3% of like, doctors are like legitimate unironic miracle workers. And then most of them are yeah. like weird, uh, egotistical retards with like very low, very low theory of mind and like extreme, uh, <laughs> reliance on their own models from like 40 years ago. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's such a massive disparity, especially now, is, especially again, now when there's been such a takeover of adminship in all hospitals where like the incentive for people, like it, it's, it's very hard for people who have a legitimate intent to go out and serve humanity by practicing medicine. Well, to not get steamrolled by the current public medical system. Like you can still do this in private practice, but in most public institutions, they've created a system where all of the surgeries that are short generate a lot of revenue and are fast are being prioritized at the expense of everything else. Uh, and this is pushing all of the resources and like all of the staffing around to favor those surgeries, which is, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's basically making like less profitable, more complicated surgeries, uh, not like infeasible, but they're disincentivized by everyone. So like you can still do them if you want, but you're going to make less money. You're going to have less support from your staff. You're going to have to work extra hours. Like, and as a result, just fewer people are doing them and fewer people doing the surgery. Fewer people are in practice to do the surgeries, right? Because like you would rather have a mediocre surgeon who has performed the same surgery that you're about to get like 5 million times before operate on you than like a really great surgery performing something that he hasn't done in like 10 years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the same thing that happens to a, uh, in a different extent um, with different stakes for like research or something. 
where it's like, you know, the incentives pay for certain things. So like things that were like, that are probably true uh, and like would be really helpful field to study won't get touched at all because there's just no incentive to study it because then you have to do so much more to get like that stuff done. So then, you know, then you end up getting studies that are being promoted by like corporations that are essentially making fake studies because they want, you know, things to back their products and stuff. And yeah, so it goes. Um, and like kind of once you get that red pill of that working in, actually, that's like kind of the thing with most industries, to be honest with you. Once you kind of realize that that's kind of how the world works, it's, it kind of makes. Yeah. No, it, it, it very much so makes skeptical. sense. It's just a bit of a pain in the ass because medicine was something where like theoretically people went into it because they wanted to help other people. And, uh, yeah, you know, as, as it became, you know, like all of the meme fields for like, if you wanted to make big money, like it became, Oh, go be a lawyer. Oh, go be a doctor. And now like everything is sort of gradually, uh, equalizing out. So you have these people who spent, uh, you know, some ungodly amount of time in school becoming a surgeon or something like that, uh, because they thought that they would make a lot of money are now being told that, okay, well, actually you're not necessarily going to make like the, the like prodigious shitloads of money that you thought you were, unless you do these cheap, quick, easy surgeries, or you go into private practice where, uh, you know, most people who go into surgery don't like the idea of private practice because like if you're the type of person who is risk averse enough that you're going to go down like a 13 year schooling path of like how do i say this like yeah that's a good point actually right, i like, never considered that right because you're, like, you're like basically institutional like security right you're, you're buying into the system so hard that you're investing this massive amount of your life into it uh knowing that like you basically can't do anything else at that point right like if you get to the point of being like a 32 year old surgical fellow in your specialty uh and you decide actually like i want to be an engineer you're not going to do it, right? Yeah. Like if you realize, oh, I don't yeah, actually really like it, right? Like none of these people get to that point and uh, bail out. So you're you're betting this hard on the system overall that you're, you're just going to stick in this and do this essentially forever. Uh, you're not the type who's going to go and like self-start, right? Because if you were the type to self-start, you would have bet on yourself and started a business instead of done 13 years of schooling and gone uh, half a million dollars into debt so yeah then exactly. you take this person who is generally risk averse and not a super great self-starter and tell them okay well you can make more money in private practice and typically what they say isn't okay let's go into private practice then it's well and they start like auto-generating reasons for why it would be bad and the number one reason they come up with is the thing with private practice is you assume a lot of liability in terms of finances if somebody hits you successfully with a malpractice suit, uh, yeah, yeah if somebody hits you with a malpractice suit uh then it's not like your institution absorbs it right you have to absorb it yeah you're just fucked. so you can literally lose everything if you go into private practice. Yeah. So the risk of people fall. Yeah. Right. It, it comes down to effectively again, that they're risk of risk. Yeah. So you, yeah, that makes sense. So you have a lot of surgeons who are, are still doing uh, a bunch of stuff in public institutions, despite the fact that like, it kind of makes a lot more sense for them to go private in terms of allowing them to uh, set up their own incentive structures that might actually allow them to give people good patient care and uh, do things the way that they would want, as opposed to getting cucked by 45 layers of administration. 
That's a really good point. That makes sense. Mm. Medicine yeah. is really black. Uh, Medicine is extremely is because it like is really black. Basically, I think what's going to happen in America is like if you don't have either medical connections or an extreme amount of money, like the ability to get really good care is going to become like increasingly impossible. And it, I think yeah, I think it's kind of always like the uh, it's going the, the, to the, approach a point where like the whole thing kind of falls apart, and then just everyone is going to get like shitty baseline care. Like, I mean, that's always been the the failure mode. That's been like they've been kind of saying that. That's why people have been pushing for, even though everyone knows it's inferior, like a like a generalized universal healthcare. Because they're like, because this is kind of the obvious ultimate failure mode, right? It's like you get like a stratify a massive stratification yeah. in healthcare. So this is why everyone's always like saying universal, but it doesn't really help. No, and it's really bad, especially because health is one of those things where you kind of need to understand a lot about it yourself. Like, at some level, especially, I mean, things get a little weird with surgery because you can't really do a ton of surgery on yourself. Uh, So if shit goes wonky there, you're a little bit shit out of luck. But in terms of most, like, preventative health care and minor health problems, it's stuff that you realistically should just, like, be figuring out your own issues and solving them. And you can't really be relying on other people to do it, right? Like if if you have you you find you have some sort of vitamin deficiency and you go into a general practitioner and ask them about it, it's gonna take them like multiple visits before they even figure out what's going on. And by the time they figure out what's going on, like they're they're not going to have like an ex- extreme amount of knowledge about this one specific thing, right? Like if you had figured out what it was and you did three hours of Googling, there's a very good chance that you're going to know more than this licensed doctor. Because you, you go to school to be a general practitioner and like you learn a bajillion, you, you learn a little bit about a bajillion topics, but you didn't become a, uh, mm-hmm. you didn't become an expert in vitamin B12 deficiency, right? <laughs> like you might know some of the symptoms yeah. of it. You might know some things that it would cause, but like some guy who has gone to vitamin B12 deficiency org and read through 10,000 different anecdotal case reports from people who have been diagnosed with this thing is going to know vastly more than the average general practitioner. And this is how it is for like all of these I mean, this is base level conditions. Everything. Yeah. I mean, if you ever get like a weird condition, you kind of learn this from experience that like, in certain case, unless you go to a special, I mean, unless you go to a specialist, typically specialists know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, but like, if you if you have a if you go to a, a general practitioner about any kind of specific, not like routine medicine, you very quickly realize that they're like they're not they don't know what the fuck they're saying any either. You're like I, yeah. So I don't know. This is kind of the that is kind of a black hole. I mean, like you have to either a know from like life experience or b know like people in the industry to know that this is kind of a thing because most people don't even have the uh the, the the whatever of mind to to question the authority figure in this case or like you know like even like or most people consider it to get like a second opinion right everyone yeah. always means that like get a second opinion but it's like like actually get a second opinion <laughs> it's doctors, like if you don't doctors know doctors are the, really the really weird like, in that like as a profession they have such extreme credentialism that it just kind of like sheds everything off in terms of, uh, you know, like, especially with boomers, right? Like younger people kind of get that like an individual person can maybe be wrong, but boomers especially are all like, well, they're a doctor and it's like, okay, but you know, like I, I know actual doctors, general practitioners granted. So not like 
they're, they're may, maybe not like the best and brightest of the bunch, but who will go out and say that the health at every size rhetoric is com- like it's completely correct and like obesity has no function on health. That's wild, right? And it's like, uh, they're a but they're a doctor. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can always find some doctor who can believe some dumb shit. I mean, this is, I mean, hey, we, we have, we all know this now after a couple of years. So we don't, I guess we don't need to beat that dead horse, that horse. And we've all kind of learned the, uh, yeah, the reality that a lot of doctors don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. And again, like, uh, obviously, there's going to be really smart doctors who, like, when you have somebody who is both, like, smarter than you, and has gone to school and studied the specific thing in a specialty and has the experience of dealing with like 10,000 people in this specific way. Like, yeah, they're probably going to be way better than mm. what you can do. But like, if you don't, like, exactly, what if, what yeah. if it's someone who's dumber that's only studied <laughs> like uh, something that was like tangentially related and they did it 40 years ago and they haven't kept up on the literature. Like, ah. Uh, <laughs> It starts. It starts becoming of uh, questionable benefit, right? Exactly. Okay, I need. I actually need to eat. I'm losing my my steam. Okay, dude. I we have I, we have, we have a lot of uh. We do. I got a, a GoPro by here. the way. I have a GoPro now. You did? I think I'm Say. gonna. I think I'm gonna get like an actually I'm, nice. I'm camera. gonna stop the recording though. Okay.